Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the LightningInsider.com podcast. I'm Eric Erlinson from Lightning Insider. Dot com, your host. This is offseason episode number two and not a whole lot of movement in the offseason to this point for Tampa Bay as we sit here and record this particular show. So we're going to get into a little bit about what is or isn't in this case taking place with the Lightning in free agency and the trade market and, and everything else that's, that's kind of going on with this team. We're going to look at the draft a little bit. Uh, not a ton. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but we'll We'll touch a little bit on the draft, which took place last week as well. And talk a little bit about some of the players that Tampa Bay did draft in the 2020 strange and unusual virtual draft, which we actually got to talk to a lot of the players, which was kind of cool. That's not always the case when you're live at the draft. Sometimes you do have to um, hope that they're in the building and have a chance to talk to them when and if they do get drafted. So uh, that was kind of a cool touch. I uh, got a little treat for you as well. Um, in addition to questions, of course, we'll take your questions a little bit later on in the show. But we have some of my exclusive interview with Steven Stamkos that I'm going to play for you. Um, this was a very extensive interview, so you're not going to hear the whole thing. Uh, but we will we'll have some snippets for you. Um, you can also find more information, uh, more insight from the captain that I have on my website. If you go to lightinginsider.com. And you can find the stuff. This I'm gonna. This will be spread out. So, uh, as I'm recording this on a Tuesday, this will be spread out. You know, a couple of days over the week. We touched on a lot of subjects. A couple of them you'll hear a little bit later on in this uh, episode. Uh, but for more detailed and for more extensive part of it, you'll need to be on the website. That's LightningInsider.com. And if you're not a subscriber to the website yet, you can use the coupon code podcast uh, at lightninginsider.com. Just enter that in when you check out. You get $10 off your first year. So again, to get some more information on Steven Stamkos and some of the subjects we talked about, uh, make sure that you are a subscriber and you can read about um, his plight throughout this entire strange 2020 playoff version. And there's some stuff that has not been reported before in what he was dealing with and what he went through. So um, make sure you check it out again. It's it's it'll be spaced out over a couple of days. Uh, so if you're listening to this on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, whenever you happen to uh, check out this particular episode, we'll have a few things throughout the week uh, here to um, you know give you as much information, as much insight from the captain as possible. And uh, I, I've seen a lot of um, questions in regards to his status and. You know, I guess Elliot Friedman on his podcast has speculated on something and, um, you know, this supposed no uh, untouchable list. He was not on it. 
I did ask Stephen about that question, so you'll have to listen to that a little bit later on here in this episode. Let's start first with the draft um, and how that went. You know, Tampa Bay did not have a first-round draft pick. We certainly know the reasons why they didn't have a first-round draft pick because they had traded them away, the Blake Coleman deal as well as the Barclay-Goodrow deal. Both were uh, involved, those first-round draft picks. So Tampa Bay did not have a first-round draft pick, but they still ended up taking nine players in the draft. You know, there's not... The one thing about the drafts and the pipeline, if you will, for Tampa Bay through the past couple of years, yeah, we know a lot about how the draft has been their lifeblood, right? Like the draft and the development. This is where a Braden Point comes from. This is where an Anthony Sorelli comes from. And, you know, all these young players, Cal Foot and everything else. This is kind of how Tampa Bay has been able to maintain a lot of the success over the past decade is uh, drafting and developing and, and bringing players up. Andre Pilat, uh, another one. That was a late-run draft pick that's a, a, obviously a huge contributor. Um, so they ended up with, they started the day with eight selections, ended up with nine. Uh, they didn't move up uh, in the second round. They actually uh, nabbed a, a, a additional second-round draft pick uh, in a trade with Montreal. So they ended up with two second-round draft picks. Um, you know, first, uh, of course. Um, but uh, these were the players that, that Tampa Bay drafted. The first one was um, the trade they moved up with uh, with Montreal was to take Jack Finley. Jack Finley plays for Spokane in the Western Hockey League. He's six foot six, two hundred and thirteen pounds. Um, very interesting uh, size there, right? But um, it, it's, it was interesting to hear Al Murray talk about Finley after the draft was over. And where where they feel Finley's game is at, obviously the size stands out to you, but it's not why uh, Murray said they drafted him. He said, um, you know, with uh, with such big person, some guys uh, are a bit uncoordinated, but that's not a problem for him. He's a good athlete. You can see he's got natural coordination, and even as an underage, he was playing power play and penalty kill for Spokane. Uh, this year, he stepped up to the first power play and the first penalty kill. He's a big guy, obviously a big person, but we didn't draft him for his size. We drafted him because he's got skill and he's got competitiveness, and he's got hockey sense in a big body. So two two big things there that you uh, you look for when we talk about the Lightning and their drafts, you know, how they, how they uh, hold their draft. Uh, hockey IQ, and it's exactly what Al Murray said, hockey sense, and competitiveness, and that's the, the exact word that – Al Murray used there. So, uh, big body, um, big center, uh, son of former NHL defenseman Jeff Finley, uh, plays for Spokane. Obviously, I mentioned that. Uh, Spokane, of course, the home of Tyler Johnson. We'll touch on Tyler Johnson quite a bit here, uh, a little bit down the line. Um, but I, I asked, I had a chance to ask Jack about, you know, what's it like to, to if you bring up the name Tyler Johnson in Spokane. Of course, not only did Tyler play in Spokane. He's actually from Spokane. He's a Spokane native and players like Finley, of course, he grew up in Vancouver, but they play in the Western Hockey League and ends up playing for Spokane. He said, um, you know, he's a huge name in Spokane. Chiefs fans are awesome and a majority of the Chiefs fans are Tampa Bay Lightning fans because of Tyler Johnson. Uh, it was unbelievable that he was able to bring a cup to the city of Spokane. It's awesome to be with the organization he's with. <laughs> the foreshadowing there a little bit, I know. Uh, so that was their first pick in this draft. That was Jack Finley. 
Um, their second round draft pick also came from a Western Hockey League team, uh, Everett, which is outside of Seattle. The Everett Silvertips was uh, Gage Goncalves, six foot, one hundred and sixty five pounds, um, uh, overager. You know, you 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 don't see this too often. Uh, we're starting to see this is something Tampa Bay's been known to do is to select overage players, and overage is a little misguiding. It's it's basically a player that's not in their first year of draft eligibility. So he was passed over last year. Um, and the comment from Al Murray uh, on Gonclavis was um, he had as big of a jump this year as any player in junior hockey. He's one of those guys that's a bit of a late bloomer, late developing physically. I don't believe he was ever drafted in the Western League and worked his way onto the team. It's kind of a story along the lines of Anthony Sorelli, a guy who needed to get stronger and needed to continue to develop. And then as the season went on, he went from a third line to second line to first line, and he just continued to get better all season long to the point where, and this is from Al Murray, Gonclavis was invited to Team Canada's summer virtual camp for World Junior, so he's now on the radar for the World Junior team, um, which they will compete. They are scheduled to compete. Uh, I believe teams are scheduled to arrive in Edmonton on December the 15th to get ready to go into that bubble, the same bubble the NHL was in, to play the uh, World Junior Championship. So uh, the Western League still doesn't have a date that they're even going to start yet. Um, you know, the Junior Leagues are in a, in a, in a bit of an influx because of, you know, the Quebec League has ha, had a, 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 a tough situation with COVID. The Ontario League still hasn't started up, hasn't had any sort of training camps yet. You know, their seasons are started by now, and none of them have begun. Uh, even the Ontario Hockey League is talking about if they play, there can't be any body checking, which I don't know how you're going to be able to play hockey without that, but that's a, a different story. So neither the OHL or the WHL has played, so I don't know how these international world junior teams are going to be able to put players and teams together for the tournament, but that is the um, plan to do that. Uh, and Gonclavis is on the radar, at least for Team Canada, for the world juniors. Uh, Tampa Bay's third pick was uh, a forward out of Russia. Maxim Groshev uh, plays in the Continental Hockey League um, in, uh, in the KHL. Uh, basically, Al Murray said he's a guy that has he's a powerful skater, not a highly creative guy, not real quick release or anything like that, but plays in straight lines, goes to the net, goes to the corners, and it's hard to play against. So put those together with some of the draft philosophy we know. Um, has some stuff that they feel that they can work on with him, but likes the ability to skate and the competitiveness. That's a that's a big, big key for this uh, Tampa Bay team, uh, the scouting staff, anyone, when it comes to the drafting. Uh, the first defenseman they took came in the third round, Jack Thompson out of Sudbury, uh, six foot, 178 pounds, an offensive type of player actually had the uh, most goals of any draft eligible defenseman in the OHL this year. Um, Tampa Bay was able to select him with the 93rd overall pick. Uh, uh, Al Murray said that he kind of plays the game like Kevin Shattenkirk, didn't call him Kevin Shattenkirk, not trying to compare him to Kevin Shattenkirk, but he said plays a similar game to a Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, for uh, their next pick, they took uh, the 116th overall pick, uh, defenseman Eamon Powell, who came comes out of the U.S. National Development Team. He is scheduled to attend. He's actually already at Boston College now. 
uh, after three seasons with the U.S. development team. Uh, Central New York player actually grew up down the street from the War Memorial where the Syracuse Crunch play. Of course, Syracuse is the affiliate of the Tampa Bay Lightning at the AHL level. Uh, the scouting report on Powell, uh, aggressive defender despite his five foot eleven frame. Powell's agility and great edge work are integral parts of his game. He's a confident puck carrier, happy to lead a rush or activate as a trailer to support the puck as a second wave of attack. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on Powell at Boston College. Tampa Bay's uh, next pick was just in the fifth round, the 147th overall pick. Another forward, uh, Jaden DeRoe from Portland, uh, another player. Out of the Western Hockey League, um, another player that was second-year eligible, so another overage player, Tampa Bay selected. Uh, he made a big jump in production. He made uh, 29 points in the 18-19 season to 70 points last year, uh, 19 goals, 51 assists, and 60 games for the Winterhawks. Um, Tampa Bay had two sixth-round draft picks. The first they took uh, Nick Capone, who played with Tri-City of the USHL. Uh, is currently enrolled at the University of Connecticut. He's actually East Haven um, native and actually plays at the University of Connecticut. Uh, mean. Mean is the word you hear quite a bit with Nick Capone. Um, suspended a couple of times in the USHL. Uh, and that's been the scouting report on on his style of game. Just just mean, which is uh, in, in a lot of hockey circles is a compliment. Uh, their second pick in the sixth round, another, again, overage player, uh, goaltender Amir Mif- Miftikov. Uh, he's currently playing over in the KHL, 20 years old, and he was actually in his third year of eligibility, but um, Miftikov was the goaltender for the World Junior Team in Russia this past year who actually took over the first, uh, the number one goaltending spot from Yaroslav Askarov, who was a first-round draft pick of the Nashville Predators. So, um, plays plays the game the right way. Um, the uh, c- comment from Al Murray, highly competitive, very fast side-to-side, very good hockey sense, good rebound control. Uh, we're happy with Amir and looking forward to watching his development. Uh, 6'1", 165, so he's not a big guy. Uh, but he is somebody who battles in that. I do remember that specifically about him at the World Juniors. So uh, that was Tampa Bay's second pick in the six-round goaltender, Amir Miftikov. And then finally, the last pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, if you will. Of course, Mr. Irrelevant is the tag of the last player that's selected in the draft. That has Stanley Cup champions. Tampa Bay did have that final pick, and they took uh, forward by the name of Declan McDonald. Um, five foot ten, hundred and sixty pounds. Played with Kitchener of the OHL, sixty uh, forty two points in sixty three games as a rookie. Um, so that is Mister Irrelevant Declan McDonald. So that was the draft, and you know, uh, six six forwards, two defensemen, and a goaltender. Uh, you, you would think uh, like there's not a ton of defensive prospects necessarily. In the system from top to bottom, none that stand out at you. Uh, Dominic Machine is a player who left the organization. Tampa Bay still has their rights, um, but he left the organization. He's overplaying in Russia, uh, so they don't have a lot. Any, um, you know, they they do have some players that are coming in to the system, but they don't have a lot of defensemen. So I thought maybe this would be a draft where they went defense heavy. They actually went forward heavy with six of them. 
a couple of other moments that we were able to uh, listen or hear about before the draft actually started. Mitchell Stevens signed a new two-year contract, both at one-way, one-way deals. Uh, so that's one of the restricted free agents that is uh, taken care of before uh, the offseason began. Jamel Smith also signed a new one-year two-way contract. And if you're not familiar with what two-way means, basically you get paid one salary if you're at the uh, National Hockey League level and a much lower salary if you're at the AHL level. So um, Jamel Smith was signed. Uh, so that started the offseason in some ways for Tampa Bay. Uh, was a bit of a surprise when we found out a couple of days later, actually it was on draft day, that the qualifying offers, they had to be submitted by 5 o'clock. Um, the information by Tampa Bay was not released until after we had talked to Julian Breezeblaw, which was about 7.45 p.m. Uh, on the second day of the draft. Um, no surprises in the qualifying offers with the exception of Carter Verhage. Verhage was not issued a qualifying offer. Basically, Julian Breezeblaw made it sound as if because of the arbitration rights that Verhage had, that he might be a little too costly. We know how much the salary cap crunch that Tampa Bay is in. And so Verhage was not retained. They lost rights to him. He became an unrestricted free agent and then came uh, just a couple of hours uh, into free agency. We we found out that Verhage signed a contract with the Florida Panthers. So uh, Carter Verhage is gone. Kevin Shattenkirk is gone. He signs a three-year deal with the Anaheim Ducks. That should not be a surprise. Uh, I understand that Tampa Bay made a late offer um, the night before free agency uh, to try and retain Shattenkirk, uh, reportedly on a three-year deal. Um, ends up going to Anaheim for three uh, three years at uh, just under $4 million per year. Uh, Zach Bogosian signed a one-year deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs, one year, $1 million for Bogosian. So uh, that's three players right there off the hop that are gone from this championship team. Tampa Bay has agreed to terms, and I'll explain what that means in a minute. They've agreed to terms with both Pat Maroon and Luke Shen. Pat Maroon has agreed to a two-year, $1.8 million contract. So that's a cap hit of $900,000 per year. Luke Shen agreed to a one-year, $800,000 deal. Um, and the reason I keep saying agreed to terms, those contracts have not been filed as of right now as I'm recording this here on October the 13th. So those contracts haven't been filed. And the reason that they haven't been filed is Tampa Bay needs every cent, literally every cent of available cap space at their disposal right now. Because you have Anthony Sorelli, you have Mikhail Sergachev, and you have Eric Chernak in particular, who all need new contracts as restricted free agents. The threat of an offer sheet is there. Again, I, I think that offer sheets are more myth than anything else. We saw one materialize last year, but was quickly ended and dissipated pretty quickly. Uh, Sebastian Ajo signing one with Montreal, but um, Carolina quickly quickly matching the offer. Uh, but you need the cap space to do it. And uh, so Tampa Bay needs every ounce, every cent of available cap space to do it. So that's why those contracts have not been officially filed. 
So they have not been officially confirmed or announced by the team to this point because of that. So basically it's, hey, we have these contracts. We'll file them as soon as we can. Um, and then, you know, those those deals would become official. But as of right now, they are not official. So that leaves us with the Tyler Johnson situation. So first day of free agency, the first move, quote-unquote, was made by Tampa Bay when Tyler Johnson was placed on waivers and caught a lot of people by surprise. We know that it had been reported that Johnson had agreed to submit a list to Julian Breesbaugh of teams that he would be willing to take a uh, accept a trade to. And at, by that point, a trade had not been worked out. So you attempt to see if, okay, does anybody want Tyler Johnson without having to make a trade, without having to find assets to be able to work out a deal with? Um, that answer, as we found out on Saturday, was was no. He went unclaimed. Um, he counts $5 million against a salary cap for the next four years. And Tampa Bay's trying to find a home for him. They need to clear salary cap space. He's the first guy they've tried to go to. He has full no-trade protection, but again, he has agreed to work with the team in trying to find a new home for Tyler Johnson. We're not there yet. Uh, so what are the options? That's obviously a big question. Uh, we'll get to the questions uh, after we hear from Steven Stamkos uh, on this a little bit uh, here in a minute. But the options with Tyler Johnson is basically just continue to try and work out a deal. Try and find a team that's willing to bring him in. And basically what you're going to have to do is maybe include more assets than you thought. You know, more assets than maybe you were initially willing to give up. Salary cap is a commodity. Tampa Bay needs that commodity. They need to open up that cap space because you have to sign Sorelli, Sergachev, and Chernak. And they're only, if you count the maroon and... Shen contracts are a little over $2 million under the cap right now. Without those contracts, it's closer to four, um, which is obviously not enough space to sign those guys. You are allowed to go 10% over the cap, as we've learned from the Alex Petrangelo signing in Vegas. You can go up to 10% over the cap, but you have to be cap compliant by the start of the regular season when rosters are submitted for the next season, which as of right now, the working date is January 1st. So you basically have to keep trying to find a home for Tyler Johnson, find a, a team that's willing to bring him in. He's still a productive player. His numbers dropped this year because he played on wing. He played third-line minutes. Um, wasn't very productive in the postseason. That probably doesn't help his cause, help his case for another team to bring him in. But as a center, yes, he can be, a, I think he can still be a productive player. I'm judging that. I'm not a general manager. I'm not one of the other 30 general managers in league trying to figure this out. Um, but I, so I, I think there'll be a home for Tyler Johnson. Uh, it's just going to be a question of where it's going to be. Now, having said that, he is not the only player that's going to have to be moved to clear out cap space. You know, they need at least $10 million in a flat cap world. They need at least $10 million of open cap space to work with. They don't have it. They're not anywhere near it. And Tyler Johnson isn't going to be enough. We saw from a report by Frank Saravalli that Braden Coburn's name has been tossed around uh, as a potential move. 
Uh, he has one more year left on his contract at $1.75 million. We saw his role reduced this year. He only played in three playoff games. That would help. Even then, that's probably not enough. You probably have to find a way to move one of those forwards in the five-ish million dollar range. So that would be a Yanni Gord. That would be an Andre Pilat. That would be most likely an Alex Kalorn. Again, Julian is in this pickle, and it's not easy to get out of, especially in a stagnant trade market, in a stagnant financial situation. Nobody knows the long-term effects of what COVID is doing to the business. We know it's not helping it by any stretch. It's hurting the the business models for so many teams. Uh, There's a lot of teams who are operating under their own budget and not necessarily the salary cap. Of course, Tampa Bay doesn't really have a choice. They're up against the salary cap regardless. So uh, I guess Julian just has to be patient and prudent at the same time to get it done. Uh, And you'd have to think that at some point he will get that done. Uh, Don't expect Tampa Bay to be too active in the free agent market. Um, They made a couple of minor signings on free agency day for, for Syracuse, including goaltender Christopher Gibson who is earmarked to be the number one in Syracuse. Uh, They've re-signed Ross Colton to a new contract. Uh, He was a restricted free agent. Again, more of a depth. It's a two-way contract, so that's not a guy who counts against the salary cap uh, numbers. So uh, patience and prudence, that's kind of what Julian Breezeball is going to have to deal with, and we'll just continue to monitor it and wait and see how it all plays out. All right, so let's get to um, some excerpts from my interview with Steven Stamkos. I've touched on a lot of subjects. Again, there's a companion pieces that are going to start coming out uh, on Steven Stamkos, including one that's up there now that you can read about his preparation to play in Game 3, what it meant for him to get back on the ice, and the exact moment he knew he knew he was going to need surgery as soon as he was done. It's gonna, it's, it's incredible to think that when he did it and what happened after when he did it. Um, so you can read about that again at lightninginsider.com. But here is uh, an excerpt or two from my interview with Stephen that I did earlier this week. What's it like to hear this phrase, Stephen Stamkos, Stanley Cup champion? surreal to be honest it's uh, just an amazing group to be part of and you know you work your whole career to ultimately be on a team that uh, can win a championship so no matter you know how it happens or what it is the dream is to hoist the Stanley Cup one day and to actually have lived that is uh, is pretty amazing Say so it's been about two weeks now, a little over two. Well, actually, it'll be two weeks tomorrow. Um, just it, how fresh is that still in your mind, or was it such a blur and such a whirlwind that uh, you're still trying to capture, uh, you know, what it meant in your mind? You know, I think you know the moment that uh, you know you you win, and then that next you know four or five days that that's just a blur. It's it's one of the most amazing times in probably a lot of our lives and our family's lives to, to watch, um, you know, not only your teammates, but, you know, your family members get to watch you live out a childhood dream. So it was from lifting the cup to, you know, having that amazing boat parade to Raymond James, you know, those days were just, 
they were so much fun and so amazing. They kind of went like a blur, but that's why you got lots of pictures and videos and even these last couple of days, just reminiscing through, you know, some of those with, with the guys that are still in town. And, and unfortunately the, the position that we're in now, we've already seen some guys go to different places. That's just the reality of how this year has gone, but forever we'll be able to hold on to those great memories that we have together. Yeah, it's amazing. It's not even two weeks and it's already being pulled apart. You don't even have time, the full time to necessarily enjoy enjoy it. So you know, it reminds me in some ways of, um, I don't know if you ever watched any of the stuff on the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. And they got together for like one last thing right after they won the gold medal. And they, they kind of looked around and said, well, I guess this is it. See you later. And it kind of has that yeah. feel like it's sudden and yet it's still historical at the same time. Yeah, and for sure we had that you know, that that feeling. We kind of knew with everything that's gone on, um, you know, this year with you know COVID and then playing in the bubble and then you know the flat salary cap for the next couple of years. I mean, we knew that this group had been put together to to win a championship and to go out and actually do it was was amazing. And and we knew right away that this was probably going to be the last time that all of these guys were going to be in the same dressing room. So we kind of relished that moment and took it all in. And just the love that each guy and respect that each guy has for each other on this team. Like I said, it's something that will live on forever. And anytime we get back together, whether it's, you know, through a group text or reunions down the road, I mean, we, we have those memories that, uh, that will last forever. And, and you played, probably the most momentous two minutes and 47 seconds in Stanley Cup final history. As you look back in that in that game three that you were able to get into, just how hard was it? How how much did you think that that moment might not happen for you with, with what you were dealing with to get into a game and at least contribute? Yeah, I mean, there was a point, you know, four or five weeks prior to that that, you know, I had no clue whether I was even going to be able to play. So... You know, to be able to, you know, put in the work behind the scenes and just get myself to a position where, you know, I thought I was going to be, you know, able to contribute and obviously could never foresee getting out there and whether it was my second or third shift and scoring a goal. I mean, that was just, it was almost like it was was meant to be with everything that had kind of gone on behind the scenes with with me and, and my family. So it was a pretty special moment and obviously... Um, for me personally, just being able to, to contribute like that at that time was was obviously one of the greatest moments I've had in, in my hockey career. How, how hard was it to kind of battle your way back to get even get into that position? And was how frustrating was it from middle of July when training camp opened to, to get to that moment? Yeah, well, it was, you know, there's so much to that story that... Um, you know, it hasn't even been out there, really. I mean, I, I came into, you know, the bubble with every intention to, you know, the goal was to play a couple of those uh, kind of exhibition round-robin games, and that was my intention coming in. I had skated. Things have been kind of going up and down. I got to a point where I had that full practice in Toronto, and then, you know, it would, it would you know, I'd have a good day, a bad day, and it just got to a point where, you know, we had to kind of back off it a little bit. And and then, you know, you watch, you know, that, that first game in Columbus and, and the game, you know, the five-overtime winner, and that was amazing. 
All right, so as, as you kind of look ahead here now, um, the offseason came very, very fast. Uh, a lot of uncertainty with, with the team moving forward. Um, just, I mean, where do, you, where do you see the future of this team? I mean, we know the window's still open, but uh, not as deep as you were. Um, you know, what, what's the, the prospects of uh, maybe doing this again? Well, I mean, like like everyone says, I mean, it's a little easier to digest if you, you know, kind of go all in and you win, right? So I think we're in a position to at least digest that for now, but it, it's right away, like, like we said. I mean, guys are signing in different teams, you know, major pieces are, aren't going to be here, um, already aren't here, you know, with some of the free agents that have left. And then you have kind of the cap trouble that uh, management is going to have to, you know, figure out. But it's a lot easier trying to figure it out after you win the Stanley Cup than, than if you don't. So it's, you know, with so much uncertainty in the year that it's been and, and the way that the cap has, you know, stayed flat, obviously no one could have predicted that. So lots of teams are in the same boat and, you know, the management has to get creative, I guess. And you just hope that, you know, as many same guys that were on this team are, are around whenever next season starts. And then that's where you have to rely on some younger guys stepping up and coming into the lineup and getting an opportunity. So it's it's going to be difficult in that regard. But, um, you know, you have no choice moving forward here. We want to continue to win with this core guy that, that we have. And we still think that we can. So, um we're going to continue to have that mindset. Uh, and, and because a lot of people have asked, uh, you know, the, whatever the quote-unquote untouchable list that was apparently out there, your name apparently wasn't on it. Uh, any envision whatsoever that you don't finish your career in a Lightning uniform? You know, I mean, that's that's my that's always been my goal is, um, you know, when I sign that eight-year contract and, you know, you get certain provisions in your contract for a reason and you know I have full control of that and and I've always envisioned myself you know playing out my career in in one organization and obviously being here in Tampa so we've loved every single moment of it Uh, my family and I and this town has been been so good to us so you know I guess to answer your question I I I foresee myself here um, till the end and here is Stephen's answer to a question I asked about watching Game 5 from inside the dressing room. Of course, Tampa Bay had just won Game 4 the night before, and Kevin Shattenkirk's overtime winner. And Game 5 was the next night. The Cup was in the building. There's a chance that Tampa Bay could clinch it. And uh, this was Stephen's answer to that question. Yeah, that was obviously like watching Game 5 – you know, you're going into that day knowing that the cup's going to be in the rink. Like I wasn't even—I knew I wasn't playing, and it, it was the most nerve-wracking day of, of you know my sports life for sure. Like when you know you can't, you know, have an effect in a game, you're way more nervous than actually being out there. So that was that was one of the most difficult days for me, and I know for the other guys that weren't playing. And then actually, a funny story was you know, the game went into overtime. So now we're all sitting in the room like, well, what if we score? Like, (laughs) we need to put our gear on. We don't want to show up like 10 minutes late. (laughs) So, 
funny now because we ended up winning, but so we, we all decided, you know what, screw it. Let's just put our gear on. We'll sit in the room and watch the game. And, you know, if we win, we, we go storm the ice. If we lose, we'll run into, they had a little training room there, and we'll just all sprint into there and take our gear off, and no one will even know that we had our gear on. <laughs> so we had a full plan. But what we didn't plan for was double overtime. <laughs> All right, so to hear the rest of that story, or to, in this case, read the rest of that story, I'll have it up uh, a little bit later on this week at lightninginsider.com, but it's a pretty funny and interesting story that uh, you're going to want to want to find out. And, and again, I'll have a few others here as the week goes along uh, from my exclusive interview with the captain, Steven Stamkos. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. All right, uh, before we get to the questions, I want to remind everybody that uh, the book is out. Uh, Lightning Strikes is the name of it. You can find it. uh, You can still order it on triumphbooks.com slash lightningwin. Uh, It's now available on Amazon. Uh, it's now available in some local stores here in the Tampa Bay area, uh, so you can find them there. I know they're at BJ's. I've seen them at Walgreens. I've seen them at CVS. Uh, so there are other areas uh, in which you can get the book. So uh, that is out. And don't forget, if you use the code PODCAST on lightninginsider.com, I'll give you $10 off a year. The code for Smack Apparel is still good, by the way. If you use Lightning 2020 You'll get 20% off any Lightning-affiliated shirt that does still include the Stanley's Getting a Tan or Stanley's Getting Another Tan t-shirts that they have out. So you can use that code. Again, it's Lightning2020. All right, let's get to your questions now, as we always like to do, close out the show with the questions. As always, you can use the hashtag AskEE here uh, on the old Twitter machine. And uh, I will get to the questions, and uh, quite a few of them. Uh, one of them I did just address with the Tyler Johnson situation. Uh, so, yeah, basically you have to uh, sweeten the pot. You know, you have to find something to convince the the other team that uh, that is something that you want. Um, Paul asks, uh, surprised to see Bogosian sign with the Leafs one year, $1 million. I thought he showed himself to be worth more than that with the Lightning and surprised if he was willing to sign with that little, the Bolts wouldn't resign him. Yeah, especially with the right-handed shot D. Uh, don't know um, the ins and outs of that particular situation. You know, in Bogosian's situation, he's looking to kind of regain his career. He certainly helped himself, uh, certainly helped his cause with his playoff here with Tampa Bay, but he probably didn't want to wait around. It's, as we mentioned, the with the Maroon and the Shen contracts, they're agreed to, but they're not signed. You know, so it's not official until it's official. That's why there's no official <clears throat> uh, announcement from the team regarding those contracts. So, um, you know, maybe he did want to stick around. Maybe they wanted him to stick around. Maybe they told him, we can't sign this contract right now because we need the cap space, where in his case, he's able to get a guaranteed, you know, job for next year, which is maybe something Tampa Bay couldn't necessarily do right off the top. But, you know, there does seem to be a hole for right-handed shot D. I thought Bogosian was somebody who could maybe fill that role. Uh, Also from Paul, what are your thoughts on the overall free agent market this year? 
Uh, Taylor Hall and Bogosian one-year deals, a sign that GMs aren't offering long-term contracts to 29-year-old players due to the cap and revenue concerns. Yeah, it's it's a different world. It is a different world. It is not business as usual. Uh, there's a lot of financial uh, uncertainty with teams, not just the cap, but revenues. Revenue. I think about Amelie Arena. You know, a lot of where what Amelie Arena and you know Jeff Finnick brings in is from events that are in the building, and there has not been an event in the building since March. So we're sitting here in October with no revenue coming in. Uh, certainly the Stanley Cup merchandise helps. Um, you know, getting to the Stanley Cup final and winning the cup helps. Uh, it it's not going to offset the losses. It just means you don't lose quite as much. Uh, so there's just a, t- a ton of uncertainty. You know, you did not see too many long-term contracts signed. What we saw Jacob Markstrom sign six years. Uh, Alec Petrangelo signed seven. I believe Tori Krug signed seven. Most of the contracts are one- to two-year deals, and that's that's not by mistake. You know, that's by design because players are, are you know, looking for a better payday. Uh, once, hopefully, we get past this COVID crap and, um, you know, some of the finances start to come back. But even if they will, they won't recover right away. You know, that's just what I'm saying. There's so much uncertainty uh, from an economic standpoint that, um, you know, there's a lot of concerns, a lot of concerns. Uh, From Tyler, hello from Houston, Tyler. Uh, With the doom and gloom surrounding the cap situation, let's take a positive look. Which player, prospect, or young NHLer has you most excited for their growth in the future, um, that would probably be. I, I want to see Alex Barry Belay. I want to see what, if anything, he can do at the NHL level. He's proven himself at the AHL, uh, knocking on the door to be in the NHL. We have to figure he gets every opportunity. Didn't look strong in training camp last year and exhibition games last year. You would like to think that maybe, maybe he has um, found a way to. Um, you know, climb up the ladder a little bit and put himself in the conversation with um, with an opportunity here with some of the forwards that we know are not going to be back with the team. So uh, that's the guy that I want to look, see where he's at in his development. Uh, another one from Tyler. The 2004 team got two retired numbers in a statue. How will the 2020 team be commemorated eventually? Uh, well, you can pretty much uh, count on 77 going to the rafters and 91 going to the rafters, um, eventually 86, 88. Um, you know, we'll see after that. Uh, but those four guys in particular, if their careers continue to trend the way that they do, then, you know, I think that maybe we'll see that. Uh, also from Tyler, uh, he says last one, uh, might this 2020 situation play in Tampa Bay's favor a little by getting Sergachev and Sorelli to take lesser deals, maybe a low-dollar, low-term deal with the hope the league finances rebound and they can get a proper swing at it after expansion. Um, I suppose that's possible, but if I'm an agent, if I'm an agent for either of those players, I'm not thinking about that. Teams probably are, but I don't think the agents are thinking like that, nor should they think like that. You know, everything in the NHL is comparables. Um you know now what Tampa Bay does have a history of, and we've seen this in recent years, is having guys sign entry level uh, coming out of their entry level deals or signing bridge contracts. Braden Point did it, Nikita Kucherov did it, Nikita uh, Andre Vasilevsky did it. Um, 
So I would anticipate in some ways that maybe you could get Sergachev and Sorelli to maybe take a comparable offer. I don't, you know, Sorelli's not getting Braden Point money. You know, he's not coming off a 40-goal, 90-point season. Um, you know, so I, he's not going to be in that level, but he'll be a tier below that. And uh, that should be, it's going to be fascinating to see what and if they can get that done. From uh, right Abverb, okay. Uh, I understand developing defense as a process, but when we drafted Cal Foot, I thought he'd at least see some playing time in the NHL with more regularity by now. What is the deal with his development? Is this his show me year, or are they cautiously easing him in? If you know of the history of the draft and development process that this team has, they're taking their time with Cal Foot. They want to make sure that when he comes up, he's ready. That's one one thing about this team that they've done. Look, even when, you know, that top gun line of Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, and Richard Ponick had so much success at the AHL level, they didn't rush him to the NHL level, right? They gave him some games. They gave him a taste of it and then brought them up slowly. And look, when they came up and were ready, they were ready. And that's kind of, you know... Anthony Sorelli was that way. Nikita Kucherov was that way. You know, they've done this with players. Uh, sometimes, especially with defensemen, it takes a little bit longer. That's the one thing in all this development process at Tampa Bay. They've never really been able to develop a top-tier type D-man out of their drafts. So you want to take your time with defensemen. You know, Cal Foot has never been somebody that was going to jump out at you, right? Like, he's not a flashy defenseman. He's a steady Makes the right reads, good decision maker, right-handed shot, big body. Does a lot of those things. So they, you know, he is much better off seeing top minutes at the AHL level and being a top pair defenseman playing 22, 25 minutes a night there than coming here as a sixth defenseman in his first two years, you know, and playing seven, eight minutes. Having said that, I think there's an opportunity for him to grab a spot this coming season because he's a right-handed shot. We just talked about the holes on the right side. Um, so, uh, again, you have, to, you have to be slow in the development. You can't rush. It's, as Pat Verbeek once told me, nobody ever says, man, you left him in the minors too long. right? It's always, man, you rushed him too quickly. So, again... Let them draft, let them develop, let them earn their craft, let them earn you know, who they are, let them figure things out so that when they come up to the NHL level, they're a little bit more prepared for it. Uh, another one, uh, I know our cap situation is tight, but with some of the holes in the lineups, do you think they rely on the prospect pipeline to plug those holes? Or are there some value vets on the free agent market that we could snag? What do you see us adding if that's the latter? Uh, I think that they're going to give every opportunity to, you know, the younger players um, because of the cap situation more than anything else. You know, you know, if you give, say, an opportunity to uh, a Bari Boulay, he's not going to cost you much against the cap. If you um, have an opportunity to, you know, use a Jamel Smith then he doesn't count much against the cap. So any free agents that they could particularly bring in, and you know it would have to be later in the offseason before you even start thinking about it because the cap space just isn't there. You have to take care of your own players first before you start. Because if you start eating up too much cap space, there's not enough for the, 
for the guys you have. So I fully expect them to go with the young players. We haven't even talked about Taylor Radish or Boris Kachuk yet. You know, those are two guys that are, are you know, former second-round draft picks um, that are still developing. So I, I think that the, the plan has to be, just based on the finances, has to be try and give an opportunity to, uh, you know, the players in the system. From Rays of Our Lives... Uh, any word on the new play-by-play broadcast for Tampa Bay? I imagine the new broadcaster will need time to move, acclimate to the broadcast team. Uh, there's no rush on that. Um, there's no um, There's no reason to rush it at this point. You're not airing games until January at the earliest, so we're sitting here in October. You're still seven, eight weeks away from having to worry about that situation. Yeah, you wouldn't want some time. And, you know, I, I guess the one name we're going to keep a close eye on, of course, is John Forslund. Uh, Forslund was let go by the Carolina Hurricanes this year and uh, does not have a contract for next season. So that would be the logical choice to look at. But again, it's just rumors. It's just some speculation, but um, not a whole lot of openings for a broadcaster. And uh, John Forslund needs a home. So it does feel and seem like it's a match made in heaven to replace the seemingly irreplaceable Rick Peckham, but John Forsland would be a good choice. But again, that's just kind of uh, not even reading between the lines. That's just kind of talking out loud, if you will. Um, Meg wants to know, do you see Foot coming up or Alex Barry-Boulay? Uh, I see both of them getting an opportunity in training camp, um, a really good opportunity in training camp to knock on the door. There's jobs available. Haven't been able to say that much the last couple of years, but there are jobs available. And those are two guys that uh, I see primed to uh, get the opportunity, Uh, which leads into Connor's question. Do you see any crunch players uh, getting some ice time with Tampa Bay this coming season? I do. Uh, Those two, I just mentioned foot and Barry Boule. At some point you got to figure out where Taylor Radish is. He's a big body, a big power forward. Uh, Tampa Bay does not have a lot of those players in the system. Um, I think uh, I think Ross Colton, you know, who's been pretty good his first two years as a pro uh, with the Crunch, um, playing some good minutes, some good roles for them. Uh, as long as he continues on that path, I think at some point you might see him maybe get a look or two. Uh, Boris Kachuk, we mentioned him uh, a little bit earlier uh, as well. Uh, to be able to get some some opportunities, so there's there's opportunities for forwards uh, in the system to kind of get a knock on the door, and um, you know, so th- those to me are the most likely players from Syracuse to potentially get, um, you know, an opportunity with the big club. Uh, from our friend Prajemic, uh, why could Tampa Bay get a first-round draft pick for J.T. Miller and now can't get anything for Tyler Johnson? Both have bad contracts and both are good forwards. It's because of the cup of RFAs and cap problems, so other teams want us to screw us up or something else. There's a few things at play. Uh, first of all, J.T. Miller a little bit younger, uh, bigger in size. So that still factors into situations uh, with players. Um, JT Miller also did not have any trade protection, so Julian Breezeball was able to basically say he's available, who's interested. So that drives up a market, if you will, if there's more than one team interested, as opposed to Tyler Johnson, who has, you know, a smaller list of teams, you know, one third the size of that 
that Julian Breesbach can only work with because Tyler Johnson has not given his approval. That doesn't mean you can't go to a team that's maybe not on his approved list and say, we have this, would you consider waiving for this team? You know, those conversations can be had. Um, and, and I wouldn't even say that Tyler Johnson's on a bad contract. Uh, he's, you know, yeah, he's 30 years old now. Um, you know, but he's he, he he's $5 million a year. I mean, JT Miller was more than $5 million a year. Um you know, so it's not a bad contract. You know, it, it to me it doesn't fall into that category. Uh, it's four years at five million dollars left. It's it's a pretty straightforward contract uh, in terms of what um, you know what's left on it. So, so I wouldn't. I don't think it has anything to do with the bad cop, uh, bad cap hit um, for the contract. And yeah, there is certainly an element of the current landscape. Um, you know, everybody knows, you know, and, I, and I've said this before, Julian Breesbaugh is not in a position, he does not have the upper hand in trade negotiations because every team in the league knows that Tampa Bay has cap issues. They have to get out of them. They have key players that have to be resigned, and they have to clear cap space. So you are you are bargaining from a position of weakness. You don't have, the, um, you know, the ability to drive the bargain. That's why we have to say sweeten the pot, quote unquote. They're going to have to sweeten the pot. So you're going to have to add more to a, a trade proposal to a team to get that to be more enticing. So I, I think that's what it all comes down to. And the fact that the cap didn't go up, there's not as much room for teams to take on contracts uh, as they have in the past. I think that factors into it as well. Uh, another follow up uh, from Pajemic, uh when we when can we expect signing the new contracts for restricted free agents? Probably not until salary cap space has moved out. It's just it's just the nature of where things sit uh, right now. Um, you know, uh, it, it's difficult. You need the cap space to sign players, and they just don't have it right now. Uh, and look, it's not it's not majorly pressing that the high profile RFAs, the Sergachev, Sorelli, and Chernak, are not signed. There's not there's no negotiating pressure right now. Yeah, the threat of the offer sheet is out there. Don't get me wrong. But remember, with an offer sheet, not only does a team have to submit one, the player has to sign it. You know, there were reports last year that Montreal first went to Braden Point and tried to submit an offer sheet, and Braden Point said, I'm not signing it. So that's at play as well. You know, we heard the comments from Mikhail Sergachev that he has no interest in leaving Tampa Bay, so you don't uh, you don't concern yourself with an offer sheet with that situation. And I think Sorelli's... You know, we called him Braden Point 2.0 for a lot of reasons, and I think that's another one. I don't think he would be in a situation where he would even consider signing an offer sheet. I could be wrong, but that's just the sense that I get. So, um, so there's no there's no pressure, I think, right now to sign any of those RFAs. They will get done, but Tampa Bay needs to open up the cap space first. From Gary. Um, who listened to me on Sirius XM with Boomer. Thanks for listening to to that, Gary. Uh, other than Johnson, who do you think moves? What's the sweetener with no second-round draft pick next year? Prospect, lower draft picks. Um, well, I, I think Kalorn is the other uh, player to look at only because he his no-trade is a modified no-trade, so he doesn't have full protection. That's the kind of guy you have to look at. Um, you know, and his value is pretty decently high right now as well because of the year he came off of. And I know we didn't put up the offensive numbers in the postseason, but he showed the value, especially when it came to penalty killing, that he can provide. Um, 
as far as a sweetener, um, yeah, I mean, there's a number of things. I mean, Tampa Bay does not have any high-end prospects, right? So there's no grade A. There's not even a A-minus prospect that this team has outside of Cal Foot. You know, everybody else is B or lower. So, you know, and, and here's the other thing, and kind of going back to the position of power, Tampa Bay can't do a player-for-player player trade. It can't be a hockey trade. It, this is a this is a, a business trade, right? So that limits it as well. So they can't trade Tyler Johnson and his five million dollars, and even bring back a player who's making three and a half million dollars because that's only a million and a half saved against cap. So those are the issues that come up as well. Um. So there's lots of different ways that you can look at what the sweeteners are, but draft picks are the most likely. Uh Prigemic, Comes back with, uh, do you think we'll sign a fourth-line winger and a right defenseman for league minimum? Even with signing Sergeyev and Chernak, we still need a right-handed D. Well, that's where Cal Foot comes into the equation. Um, as of right now, Braden Coburn is still on the roster. He can play the right side. Uh, so, again, I don't see them dipping really much into free agency, and especially not until they get you know Sergeyev and Sorelli signed the deals. You know, look, it, as we sat on July 1 last year, which was the first day of free agency last year, uh, Pat Maroon wasn't signed yet. Kevin Shattenkirk wasn't signed yet, right? So, you know, it, this thing can play out. It's a little bit different this year uh, as well, uh, but it can still play out. So, yeah, the only right-handed D that you have under contract right now uh, is Chernak. Um, you know, but you have some other guys, um, you know, but I would expect... Uh, foot to to play on the right side and look we've seen Sergeyev play on the right side uh, I know he's he played left most of this year but we saw him take shifts on the right side especially with Victor Hebben in the postseason so there are alternatives because uh, I just don't see them being too active in the free agent market uh, from Karen given the challenges uh, of the task the difference is unrestricted free agent numbers between this year and last year is shocking would the NHL offer alternatives or relief to teams trying to negotiate down to the cap at a non-existent market. If teams can't, does the league bleed players? Uh, very good question, Karen. Um, yeah, if you look at the number of dollars and the number of players signed on the free agent market, I mean, there's some, as we sit here talk right now, there's some pretty decent players still out there. Anthony Clare uh, comes to mind first and foremost. Um, as somebody who four or five days last year in his situation, he would not have been still sitting on the UFA market, you know, four or five days into it, but it's a different world. Um, as far as the league giving alternatives or relief, I don't think, I don't see that happening. Uh, the Players Association would certainly not appreciate that. That that would have to mean there'd be, well, first of all, there's no re renegotiating of contracts in the NHL. You can't beat like the NFL so um, can the league step in and alleviate that? I don't think so. I, I think that everybody's in the same boat. You know, of course, so many of these projections, especially with Tampa Bay, was based on the cap going up to about 84, 85 million. And that number came out in, what, February? You know, just not too long before the world shut down. Uh, so, so many projections were made on that number. Of course, we know it's a flat cap. Uh, you have to expect that it's going to stay at 81.5, not just for this year, but at least next year as well. Uh, you know, if we get through this, I don't know that the business is going to come through as quickly, uh, rebound as quickly as we hope uh, with the NHL. Uh, we hope it does. 
but I don't think it's going to be that way. Uh, I think it's going to be a slow because until revenues get back to where they were, they were around $4 billion in league revenues and, and they were rising. Uh, so until it gets back to that, the cap is not going up. Uh, you know, I know there's the new contract coming up and ESPN uh, looks like they're going to be a player in trying to reacquire broadcasting rights to the NHL. Um, that's going to help, but it's not going to get it back quick enough. The NHL needs fans in the stands and there's no guarantee that that's going to happen by the time the targeted date, if they can start on, on January 1st, there's no guarantee that fans are going to be in the stands. Uh, so I, I just think the league is just going to say, look, everybody's in the same boat. Um, you know, you have to find your own ways. You have to find your way to work within the constraints of the structure that's there. Uh, so nobody's going to be handing out charity. Um, as far as bleeding players, uh, interesting. You know, you still have to field an NHL team. You still have to field a AHL team. You know, everybody has AHL affiliates. Uh, it, it will be interesting to see, you know, the contract limit is 50. So it will be interesting to see uh, how high teams get to that. Usually you see a lot of teams are 48, 49, um, you know, even by the start of the year. I don't know if you're going to see that this year. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of guys get squeezed. The middle guy usually gets squeezed here. I think you're going to see some of the AHL veterans get squeezed here. Some of those middle tier uh, minor league players are going to get squeezed that maybe instead of uh, signing two-way NHL contracts, they're going to have to take AHL-only deals. Um, I think that's where we're going to see some things start to go. So uh, very, very interesting, worrisome in some ways, um, things ahead for the NHL. All right, that is going to wrap up uh, this number two off-season edition of the show. Don't forget um, more Steven Stamco stuff coming uh, in the next couple of days, uh, make sure you're a subscriber. Go to lightninginsider.com. If you use the promo code podcast, you will get $10 off your first year. Uh, some really interesting stuff coming up from Steven Stamkos, uh, including um, he's hinted at family issues. Uh, we, we talked about those family issues, so you're definitely going to want to uh, read that. That'll be up. Um, you know, I'm recording this on Tuesday. That'll be up by Wednesday at some point, um, and then more along the way as we go. So, again, make sure you're a subscriber to lightninginsider.com to get the full details of all the stuff, all the topics that I covered uh, in an exclusive interview with Steven Stamkos. All right, keep those questions coming. We'll do another podcast, off-season podcast. Probably the next one will be after the Tyler Johnson situation uh, is resolved or whatever way Julian Breezeblaw does to... Uh, alleviate the salary cap space. He hasn't spoken to the media yet. My guess is he will not until after he's able to kind of uh, uh, make that first initial step in this process. So we'll just keep an eye on that moving forward. Uh, until then, always feel free to reach out to me. Uh, Ask EE on Twitter uh, at Eric underscore Erlinson is the Twitter handle. Eric at Lightning Insider.com is the email address. And of course, don't forget about the book, Lightning Strikes through Triumph Books. You can find it here locally in the Tampa Bay area or at Amazon.com or at triumphbooks.com slash lightning win. All right, until our next podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.